From the WIA News Hub in Queensland and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed by VK1WIA. Hello there, I'm Graham, VK4BB, with this edition for June 10 of WIA National News. And again this week, we'll be having an in-depth look at the WIA AGM and annual conference held in Mildura just a fortnight ago. Speaking of WIA AGMs and annual conferences, who could ever forget the 2010 Canberra event? Well, just in case it's getting a little misty, you can now buy the WIA Centenary DVD sets. Yes, these have been produced and distributed to most people who pre-registered interest in receiving a copy, but we still have some left. The three DV sets are just $25, and if you are still chasing a copy please send an email to Robert Broomhead, VK3DN, at his WIA email address. That's VK3DN at WIA.org.au. As we said, the WIA AGM and Annual Conference was held just a couple of weeks back. Here is VK6 FLAB. The WIA AGM and Annual Conference in Mildura was held a fortnight ago, but we can't stop talking about it. Intrepid reporter Robert, VK3DN, provided the material for this report. Visitors came from far and wide. Laurie, ZL1ICU. I'm Laurie Matthews, ZL1ICU, from Auckland, New Zealand, and I've had a wonderful time at the uh, conference. Some of the highlights were the uh, balloon launch and the uh, trip on the uh, paddle steamer, and I can't get over the hospitality uh, that you people provide, and the food was, was excellent. It just seemed to be coming out all the time. It was great. There are activities outside the AGM and Technical Conference, traditionally intended for partners, but it attracts its fair share of amateurs as well. Jean, VK3VIP. Hi, this is Jean, VK3VIP, soon to be the president of Alara. I just first of all like to thank the two ladies for a wonderful outing we had. We went to the Alfred Deakin Centre, the Woodsy uh, Gem Shop, We went to the botanical gardens, which we went on the tram train. And also we went to the olive oil place, which was absolutely fantastic. And we bought lots of nice things from them. There was 53 of us and the coach drivers were marvellous. And I must say I'd like to thank all the hospitality we've had here. In our report last week, we highlighted some of the discussion that took place during the open forum. One of the hot topics is how to promote amateur radio. Roger, VK2ZRH on the topic. Uh, this is Roger, VK2ZRH, and I proposed at the annual general meeting that the Institute's marketing is upside down. They're trying to market it to a general audience, when in reality they should market it to people like us who aren't yet amateurs. In other words, a bunch of misfits. If we market to the misfits, we're more likely to attract them than if we try and market it to a general audience because the misfits will miss us. That seemed to go down really well because uh, for the rest of the weekend I was being welcomed as a misfit everywhere. And, and of course, the, the, the technical uh, program uh, demonstrated exactly that we're all a bunch of misfits, as diverse as it is. And, of course, the, the guys from the uh, Project Horus, a bunch of young guys, which I, I have to think is, is really fantastic... We're a, f- a fine bunch of misfits as I've ever seen. Hackers and, and you know, RF engineers and you name it, and they put their hobby uh, to a uh, remarkably good use. And finally, a word from Trent, VK4TS. This is WIA Director Trent Sampson, VK4TS. 
had a great weekend here at Mildura. We saw some fantastic technical presentations, especially one from Andrew VK3OE. And we also looked at the Horace uh, Bloon flight, which was great to see some young amateurs really keen on the hobby. Um, I look forward to the next one in Perth in 2013. Next year, in the last weekend of May, we'll be hosting the conference in VK6. Mark your diary now so you don't have any surprises. Keep an eye on airfares or plan to share your ride with a fellow amateur. While you're on the Sunset Coast, I thoroughly recommend that you spend some time here to have a look around. There are many day trips around Perth alone, and if you make the time, you'll find an amazing array of flora and fauna, not to mention far-flung amateurs across Western Australia. On the conference front, we expect to call for expressions of interest for the technical talks in the coming weeks. More information about that will be included on the news and in AR Magazine. Still recovering from the loogie that Bob VK6POP shared with me, I'm Ono, Victor Kilo 6, Foxtrot Lima Alpha Bravo. Staying in the West, it's a story from VK6POP of a couple of Korean nationals that should not have hopped on their bikes. I was recently contacted by Robert VK6ARM, who's involved with the VK6737 Outback Radio Network. This network conducts regular skeds every day to keep in touch with travellers around Australia in order to ensure their safety and to pass on messages. Robert told me that they had been alerted to the presence of a pair of Korean cyclists who had set off from Laverton in Western Australia to cycle along the Anne Bedell Highway to Coober in South Australia. It was reported that the cyclists appeared not to have a support crew and that they were not carrying much in the way of supplies. It was apparent that the Korean cyclists took the term highway to mean that it was a major road with supplier shored along the way. The Anne Bedell Highway is a track. Robert sought my help to put him in touch with the Amateur Radio Travellers Net in case there were some amateurs along the road who could render assistance. I referred him to Bob, VK6KW, who, along with others, conducts the Travellers Net on 20 metres every day. It turned out that no amateurs were travelling that road. However, there were some on the road who used the VKS737 network. Police services have been alerted. A few people came across the cyclists and gave them food and water, as much as they could spare. Others have left water supplies along the track for them. We can only hope that these fellows both survive their ordeal and appreciate their folly and the concern and support given to them by complete strangers. It's also a fine example of a successful collaboration between volunteers of two radio-based services dedicated to the safety of travellers in the outback. The Amateur Radio Travellers Net operates every day at 0200 UTC on 14.116 MHz. Information about the VKS737 network can be found on their website. The address is in the text edition. Who said radio is a thing of the past? I'm Bob, VK6POP. Tune in to Understand VHF Marine Radio. The Australian Communications and Media Authority has produced two new videos that provide recreational boaters with up-to-date information about using VHF Marine Radio. The first video shows recreational boaters the importance of operating VHF radio correctly. It also includes a reenactment of an actual rescue by the New South Wales Office of Boating Safety and Maritime Affairs and Marine Rescue New South Wales. The second video, produced with help from the Bureau of Meteorology, is about how and why boaters should always check the weather on their VHF marine radio before setting sail and whilst at sea. Check out the ACMA website. Radcom's 2012 run this week. The Australian Communications and Media Authority's annual Radio Communications Forum ran last Wednesday and Thursday at Melbourne's Sofitel on Collins, boasting more than 20 expert speakers. 
Timely spectrum-related topics included the growing requirements of broadband mobile, satellite observation of climate change, spectrum issues, and the convergence review in space astronomy. For over six years, RADCOM, the series, has become a peak industry gathering to discuss Australian spectrum issues and future planning. From cyclone warnings to planetary health, from galaxies to gigabytes, from floods to soil fertility, radio spectrum is not only a core enabler of our modern mobile economy, but also a vital tool in understanding the world and universe around us. This year's key speakers included Dr Compton Tucker, Senior Research Scientist in the Earth Sciences Division at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Centre, and Dr George Scone, Chief Technology Officer, LSS Telecom AG. Also appearing, the CEO of NVN Company, Mike Quigley. Home of the good guys, Air Cadets Radio Exam. The Radio Communications Foundation in the United Kingdom has announced agreement has been reached with the Air Cadets organisation there to accept a pass in their ACO Radio Communications Foundation equivalent examination as equivalent to a pass in the Amateur Radio Foundation radio service. Ofcom have also accepted that the ACO Foundation equivalent examination syllabus meets the Radio Amateur Foundation level requirements and will issue a Radio Amateur Foundation level licence via the RSGB on receipt of a successful Air Cadet Candidate pass detail. The RSGB is offering those under 21 who do achieve this licence through this route a year's free membership of their society. Not a sound to be heard. We pause and remember another silent key. As you're aware, we seldom do mention silent keys on the national news, instead leaving it to local club and state level news. However, we have learnt of the passing recently of Victor Kilo 6 Bravo Delta Bravo 1 Sean Leahy. No, not the cartoonist, but his father, who was aged 86. A tribute written by cartoonist Sean Leahy, after the passing of his father, well, really made us think about the service that this man had given, and it was posted just the day before Anzac Day, VK6BDB. He was born in Long Beach, California, moved to Ireland at the age of 11. He joined the Irish Army, then the British Merchant Navy as a radio officer, and saved, served on the famous salvage tug The Turmoil in the Atlantic, only venturing out in terrible weather when ships were in distress. He stuck with that for years despite a constant battle with seasickness. He married in 56 and brought his two young children to Australia in 1960. He served as a land-based radio officer for OTC Coastal Radio and took postings with his family to Broome, Perth and Carnarvon before his retirement. He was, in retirement, also a ham radio buff. His regular skeds with other former radio operator friends overseas and around Australia who only knew him by his voice were a daily ritual he kept for years. Another silent key, Victor Kilo 6 Bravo Delta Bravo. And another silent key is one Steve Mendelssohn, Whiskey 2 Mike Lima, W2ML. W2ML was a lifelong friend of our friend and newsline editor, Bill Pasternak, WA6ITF. Now, this is a story of a guy who completely changed Bill's life and I'm sure you'll find this quite poignant. It was in the winter or early spring of 1970. I was dating this lady named Sharon Wagner. And every Sunday morning found me winding my way from Brooklyn to Valley Stream, Long Island, to pick up the lady and go, well, somewhere or do something. 
it became a ritual for everyone on the WA2SUR repeater to say hello to Sharon and for her to say hi in return. Of course, with me at the controls of the transceiver, I think it was a Regency HR2 at the time. Well, this one Sunday after we had all said our hellos via WA2SUR, Steve said something like, quote, You two have been going out for months. When are you going to ask the girl to marry you? At first, I hemmed and hawed a bit, looking for an excuse. But there was none to be had. Steve had put me into a corner where I either had to catch the fish or cut bait and run. I knew that I was truly in love with this lady. So, with much of New York's hamdom listening on 146.73 megahertz, I asked Sharon to change her last name from Wagner to Pasternak. She immediately accepted on in September of that year, 1971, Sharon and I said, I do. Being honest, if not for Steve, I don't know whether I would have asked Sharon or any gal to become my wife. But thanks to him, I was forced to make a decision that was definitely the right one. Forty years so far, and God willing, headed toward 41. From the WIA News Hub in Sydney and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed via VK1 WIA. International news with thanks to the worldwide sources of the WIA. I'm Jason, VK2LAW. 6.30 metres in Monaco. The telecoms regulator of the Principality of Monaco has allocated the segment 472 to 479 kilohertz to the amateur service with secondary status with a maximum power of 1 watt EIRP. Radio waves trigger insulin. Researchers have remotely activated genes inside living animals, a proof of concept that could one day lead to medical procedures in which patients' genes are triggered on demand. The team used radio waves to switch on engineered insulin-producing genes in mice. Jeffrey Friedman, a molecular geneticist at the Rockefeller University in New York and lead author of the study, said that in the short term the results would lead to better tools to allow scientists to manipulate cells non-invasively. But with refinement, he thinks, clinical applications could also be possible. Friedman and his colleagues coated iron oxide nanoparticles with antibodies that bind to a modified version of the temperature-sensitive ion channel TRPV1, which sits on the surface of cells. They injected these particles into tumours grown under the skin of mice and then used magnetic field generated by a device similar to a miniature magnetic resonance imaging machine to heat the nanoparticles with low-frequency radio waves. After 30 minutes of radio wave exposure, the mice's insulin levels had increased and their blood sugar levels had dropped. German radio ham arrested in Greece. Greek newspapers report on the arrest of a German radio amateur, DJ6SI, on holidays in Kos, Greece, apparently, with the crime of operating amateur radio equipment. Greek news reports appear to indicate the 75-year-old was arrested under a 1929 decree for illegal operation of radio-telegraph equipment. The Aegean News reports that he was on holiday with his wife. A photograph published by the Aegean News shows injuries reportedly received from handcuffs. Ham Radio being drawn into dispute over ownership of Scarborough Reef. Ham Radio is being drawn into a dispute over the territorial ownership of Scarborough Reef. 
This as a website pops up claiming correspondence between the Philippine Amateur Radio Association and the ARRL supports mainland China's territorial claim in regard to the land mass. Ham Radio is being drawn into a dispute over the territorial ownership of Scarborough Reef. This as the website pops up claiming correspondence between the Philippine Amateur Radio Association and the ARRL supports mainland China's terrestrial claim in regard to the landmass that's also known as Panateg Shoal or Bajo de Masinlok. The report on the SINA website relating to amateur radio says that back in 1990, the then Philippine ambassador to Germany indicated clearly in his letter to the German radio amateur on February the 5th that Scarborough was not within the Philippine territory and sovereignty. Thus, according to the National Mapping and Resource Information Authority of the Philippines, the documents issued by the National Mapping and Resource Information Authority of the Philippines and the Philippine Amateur Radio Organization to the American Radio Relay League on October the 18th and November the 18th of 1994 had also claimed to confirm that the Philippine territorial limits and sovereignty was stipulated by Article 3 of the Treaty with Paris back in the year of 1889. Weird and wonderful. Researchers grow biological hard drive from bacteria. Researchers at the University of Leeds have used a type of bacterium which eats iron to create a surface of magnets similar to those found in traditional hard drives and wiring. As the bacterium ingests the iron, it creates tiny magnets within itself. The team has also begun to understand how the proteins inside these bacteria collect, shape and position these nanomagnets inside their cells and can now replicate this behaviour outside the bacteria. Using this knowledge, the team hopes to develop a bottom-up approach for creating a cheaper, more environmentally friendly electronics of the future. The magnetic array was created using a protein which creates perfect nanocrystals of magnetite inside the bacterium Magnetospirillum magneticum. In a process akin to potato printing on a much smaller scale, this protein is attached to a gold surface in a checkerboard pattern and placed in a solution containing iron. At a temperature of 80 degrees C, similarly sized crystals of magnetite form on the sections of the surface covered by the protein. The researchers are now working to reduce the size of these islands of magnets in order to make arrays of signal nanomagnets. They also plan to vary the magnetic materials that this protein can control. The next steps would allow each of these nanomagnets to hold one bit of information, allowing the construction of better hard drives. From the WIA News Hub in Queensland and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed by VK1 WIA. Operational News on Felix VK4FUQ. Special Events and On-Air Contest Column, Dateline 2012. VK Shires Contest, June 9 and 10. VK Winter VHF UHF Field Day, June 23 and 24. ZLNZART Memorial Contest July 1st full weekend. VK ZL Trans Tasman Contest 80 plus 160 metres July 21. VK Remembrance Day Contest August 11 and 12. Worldwide International Lighthouse Lightship Weekend August 18 and 19. Worldwide Oceania DX Contest SSB October 6. Worldwide Oceania DX Contest CW October 13. VK Spring VHF UHF Field Day, November 24 and 25. Winter VHF UHF Field Day, 
The winter VHF UHF field day will be held over the weekend of June 23 and 24. The field day has separate sections for single and multiple operator stations. The field day runs for 24 hours, but there are also 8-hour sections for operators who may not be able to camp overnight. If you don't like the nice cool weather, there is also a separate home station section. An extra feature in the next field day will be an F-Call Challenge, with special certificates for Foundation licensees who participate in any of the single operator sections of the field day. The details have been published in Amateur Radio magazine, and they are also available on the contest page of http colon forward slash forward slash www.wia.org.au The winners of CQ Magazine DX Marathon 2011 have just been announced and the winner for Oceania and also Zone 30 is VK4CC Cole Clark. He will receive a trophy for his efforts, a huge achievement in what was really his first year as a serious DXer. Bob, W9KNI, is the guy Cole cites as his DX Elmer, having been inspired to tackle the marathon when he read Bob's book, A Year of DX. Congratulations, Cole. Also, it is congratulations to VK5 VJ Said, who at 12 minutes into the WIAQ 100-year celebrations, became the first to appear in the logs as having worked special event station VK100 WIQ, operating out of the 4650 postcode zone. T6JM, that station from Afghanistan, CT1FKN, who is signing T6JM, is about to depart mid-June. T6JM is mainly QRV on 20 metres SSB and BPSK31. QSL T6JM to CT1FKN, his home call. For the Queen's Diamond Jubilee, all UK amateur stations have had the option of applying for a variation to their licence if they wished to use a special prefix for a five-week period. This will add or substitute the letter Q in place of the original identifier on the call sign. This ends our close of business today, June 10. Some special event call signs will be activated to celebrate the London 2012 Olympic and Paralympic Games. 2012L from London, England and 2012W from Barry, Wales. The London 2012 Inspire program has granted the Radio Society of Great Britain Great Britain's IARU Member Society, use of the Inspire mark for these stations. Both stations will be on the air for the duration of the Games, July 27 to August 12. For the period of the Olympic Games and Paralympic Games, a similar facility will exist for a seven-week period, using the letter O. For VK1WIA National News, I'm Felix VK4FUQ Inningham. What use is an F-call? In the past, I've talked about the history of amateur radio and how, as a new participant, it's easy to make the same mistakes as those who came before you, because you don't yet know enough to ask the right questions or the right place to look. Recently, I had a conversation on air with an amateur who'd been fascinated with the hobby since the late 1940s, so over 60 years of experience in the field. At the time, we were talking about inspiration, that is, What is it that inspired him to become part of the hobby? He told of a time when he built a kit and made a transmitter and it worked. He was hooked. And while that story continues on, I'm going to go sideways to show a little of the world and how it's changed in those 60 years. We're all familiar with the idea of going from horse and cart to the automobile. 
unless you've actually sat in a cart and experienced it, it's still only sort of an understanding of the change in evolution. Right now, you're likely sitting next to a radio that has a VFO on it. Probably it's got a digital display of some kind. As you turn the VFO, the display indicates what frequency you're tuned to. The precursor to this is a dial with frequencies indicated and a vernier that's indicating what the dial was turned to. But there was a step before that. Imagine for a moment that you have a simple receiver. It's got a dial on it that's numbered 1 to 100. You can turn the dial and change its tuning frequency. To know what actual frequency it's on, you look up the dial position in a calibration book. So 39 might be 3.582 MHz. So you set up your simple receiver in such a way that you've got it set to the place where you're wanting to receive. Then you turn on your transmitter and tune it to the same place. You know you're in the right area when the simple receiver starts to squeal, and then when it's tuned, it's howling. Then, you turn on your receiver and tune that to the same place in the same way. You'll hear it squeal. Now you can actually key your Morse or push to talk key and start transmitting. Sounds like a lot more work than what you go through today. Here's something else. The simple receiver, it's called a wave meter and it's calibrated in a laboratory. Presumably the manufacturer has a set of crystals that oscillate on the appropriate frequency and the wave meter is calibrated and logs are taken to make the dial position coincide with a known frequency. That's what it was like in the 1950s to tune your radio. And here I am with a Yesu 857D that fits in my hand, runs across multiple bands and transmits up to 100 watts. Perhaps that's more illustrative than horse and cart. That's history right there. I'm Ono, Victor Kilo 6, Foxtrot Lima Alpha Bravo. I'm Robert, VK3DN, and from VK1WIA, this is Rewind, a leaf out of AR history thanks to Jim Linton, VK3PC. The American Radio Relay League, or ARRL, is planning to celebrate its centennial in 2014 and has asked individuals and clubs to start thinking about the best way to mark the foundation of the organisation. Its president, Kay Craigie, N3KN, wants the once-in-a-lifetime event to be truly special. You may recall that KN3KN was the very last to work the special event station VK100WIA during the Institute celebration, with WIA President Michael Owen VK3KI on the microphone. The ARRL will draw upon historical collections and the memories of living radio amateurs. It'll also bring out a range of centennial merchandise. It encourages local clubs to develop public relations events in 2014 that are both meaningful to radio amateurs and tied to the observance of the ARRL's 100th birthday. And the RSGB also looks at its centenary. The Radio Society of Great Britain has formed a centenary working group headed up by Rob Harwood, G0HRT, who is planning a number of events next year for the RSGB's 100th year. This may include special event stations, local club events and other activities to the hobby. Rob, G0HRT, is seeking volunteers among the RSGB membership 
and may be contacted through centenary at rsgb.org.uk. And a little closer to home, the centenary of the Wireless Institute in Queensland is happening this year, 2012. The Queensland Centenary Committee invite you to celebrate this centenary and all of its wonderful history through to July the 31st. They have developed a special QSL card, along with the Centenary Award and the special event call sign VK100WIQ. These can all be viewed on the WIA website under News and Events, VK4 Centenary. Check out the online log for the special event call sign. Thanks to Jim for that information, and now it's back to Graham in the studio. Reaching the 30-minute mark of WIA National News, I'm Graham VK4BB with a look at the social scene. June 9 to 10 this weekend, happening in the port, is the Oxley Region Amateur Radio Club's field day at Port Macquarie, and down in Mount Gambier, the South East Radio Group's convention. July 7 to 8 in VK3 is Gipps Tech 2012 at Monash University, Gippsland Campus at Churchill. July 14, the Wide Bay Hamfest, West Meribah Scout Hall in VK4. Gippsland Gate Radio and Electronics Club Hamfest at Cranbourne, that's in VK3 July 21, whilst also July 21 in VK4 at Harvey Bay is the WIA VK4 Club President's Lunch. July 29, Albury Rodonga Amateur Radio Club's Hamfest at Lavington Scout Hall. Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society, the Hamfest at Goodwood, takes place November 4. Yarra Valley Amateur Radio Group's Hamfest takes place November 11. That's a date to remember. And November 25 in VK3, Spark Hamfest at Rosebud. Till next we meet, I'm Graham, VK4BB. Walk softly. In the nation's capital, with amateur radio news from across the globe, this has been the WIA National News Service. Local news and callbacks follow on most affiliates. We'd appreciate you checking in. VK1WIA. We've reported. You decide.